I'd love just to get your quick thoughts on the film. Mm. So you and I both uh, managed to catch up on a film that's been talked about a little bit, like in you know British circles the past yeah. few weeks, which is Boiling Point. Yes, which is this new Stephen Graham film. You know, Stephen Graham, which has become he's sort of become like a national treasure of the past few years. Yeah. He's, he's in basically every single highly reviewed Seems British quite sought after. Doesn't yeah, it? British TV show. You know, Line of Duty and uh, The Virtues and Help, and then also he was in. Um, the Irishman, and he's obviously been on our screens for for ages. He was in Snatch, if you remember that back yes, in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, really great actor, really strong actor, and he's in this film, Boiling Point, which is about. Um, uh, it's a ninety minute film. It's all shot in one take. It's about he plays a chef at a very high profile, uh, fancy restaurant, and it follows just a very eventful shift, um, and not just follows him, but also follows uh, waitresses, the maitre d, the other chefs, the porters just the whole eye of the storm that is running a uh, fancy restaurant. We wanted to watch it. We've seen it now. Yeah. Um, it was out for a bit. I think it's been recognized in the BAFTAs, maybe best British film. I might need to confirm that. But James, what did you think of Boiling Point? I really, really enjoyed my time with Boiling Point. I think like, I mean, that whole thing you said about, oh, it's all shot in one take. I don't think does it justice. Mm. I think it's not just one take. It's, it's, in real time and it doesn't it doesn't break you know even in films like um 1917 or birdman there were moments where the camera would pan to the sky and you'd see mm. the sun go by and like time would pass this really uh plays out like an immersive play you could mm. pretty much enjoy it like mm. that and I, I i went in not knowing that it was going to be like that at all i really didn't i knew it was about a chef in a kitchen that's literally all yeah. i knew about it and you sort of follow him as he walks into his into his shift and you can tell he's sort of um, be, you just it, uh, what, what, the reason why I liked it so much is because it, it's limited in that way of being in one shot. What, what, the reason why it worked is every single character, the first thing that they said, told you something really yeah. key about who everyone was. It's very economical, so economical with it, with the way which it tells its story. And you can tell that this guy who doesn't quite have his things together, he's just calling to make excuses when when the film starts. Mm. As he turns up to work, although he's the boss, he's very much like pulled in different directions, and you can see how this guy is really sort of in a very stressful environment and then you add on the idea of like a, a kitchen shift mm. and all of these people pressuring him and the film opens and it's an environment uh, sorry um a hygiene inspector yes. just like um actually you know you need to fill out the paperwork and i'm yeah. gonna bring you down from a five to a three yeah uh, yeah can you do that and you can just for legitimate reasons for legitimate reasons yeah but you can tell he just doesn't have his shit together yeah um, his favorite on. phrase in the whole film, well, not favorite phrase, but the phrase he says the most is just give me a minute, just a minute, just a minute, give me, oh, just a second. Because yeah. he's getting pulled in a thousand different directions all the time. And, and it just, he, it already starts on the wrong foot being stressful. And then you start a stressful shift where all of these things start happening. And you're just like, oh my God, it's so overwhelming yes um and you sort of have these different characters you've got this sort of senior sous chef who's very much like on his case about committing to the staff and the food and the process you've got like the head of the waiting staff mm -hmm. who doesn't quite get what the demands are of the kitchen yeah. and there's that sort of you know dichotomy between those two teams which is a tale as old as time oh, yeah. i mean like, it actually brought me back to times where i used to work as a waiter in yeah. like a sort of fairly not high pressure restaurant but like there was order of service and oh, it was very much like you have to do it this certain way um and i remember like having those meetings before everyone came in what's on the menu like how much we got left and it was just like if, if you love people watching 
Yeah. You're going to love this. It's mm. like you just sit back and watch these people yeah. interact. And uh, like I said, when it's a play that happens in real time, you you float out of the room and you come back in and everyone is still doing mm. everything and yeah. cooking and the amount of things they would have to coordinate. Yeah. So I'm really going for it, but no, I, no. I really enjoyed it. The amount of things they would have to coordinate to pull that off. Yeah. And imagine how long it would take if they cocked something up. They would have to do the run yeah. all over again. Yeah. Um, you've got different things like you've got a guy, a very sort of alpha male, boisterous yeah. man at a table who's being racist to one of to one yeah. of the waitresses. You've got one of his like celebrity chef friends played by yeah. Jason, uh, not Atherton, Jason, Jason, uh, Jason Atherton's a chef. Uh, Jason, <laughs> Jason Fleming. Fleming. Um, yeah, the, critic. The, 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 the boorish kind of guy is, is the customer is such a typical thing because he's not being... Uh, explicitly racist because then he would be thrown out of the restaurant and yes. that's it which would be great he's in that horrible um, insidious thing where it's actually a very acute observation this film. is not Jason Fleming this no is this is not Jason guy. Fleming this is different this is a, a, you know, a, a, a customer uh, who's at the table with his wife and his, his, his children grown up children and he's like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm paying for expensive wine. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. What's the most the expensive bottle on the wine? Yeah, like wine on the yeah. menu. Yeah. yeah, I love that. So, but um, this uh, very middle class kind of uh, white. Um, waitress, young, called Robin, sort of mm. turns up late because she's late from an audition. But she, yeah. sort of, she sort of floats in, actually. She goes to this table and she takes their order in a very sort of, it's a very sort of smooth transaction. Yeah. Everything's fine. They ask her her name. It's very smooth. She then goes back to the bar and actually um, her colleague, who's black, has to take continue the order because Robin has to get pulled to something else. So um, her colleague returns to the table with the wine and the atmosphere and the mood of this customer completely changes. Which happens, by the way, that in certain restaurants, the people who take the order aren't the people who bring the stuff yeah. to the table. That's typical. And he and it is so uncomfortable, yeah. his, 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 uh, his behavior after that. And it's unfortunately very real. Um, yeah. Sorry, carry on. No, and that's it. And it's not even something that needs to be, that, that whole storyline didn't necessarily have to be addressed or completed it was like another element of this whole yes. scene and like it's one of those it's one of those uh sets where i feel like i've i know that restaurant yes. and i could walk you yeah. around it and know exactly yeah. what everything is as if just i watched there for it just by watching that film because you go into every little nook and cranny behind the bar yeah and there's these wonderful interactions where like you know that this waitress is flirting with this barman uh, can i say the, it's robin the same waitress so actually yes. it, it parallels she actually ends up having like they keep darting back to her she's having a perfectly fine shift yeah she's actually having like a perfectly normal shift but her colleague who's suffering the racism is is having an awful time on obviously. a technical level i don't know how they like lighten sound the whole thing the way that looks natural sounds good mm. um and yeah i, I think i think it's it, it, it again we've said this three times it's really economical with what it tries to do in that yeah. in that hour and a half performances all round are just really really good uh, stephen graham's on top form and there's extra there's an extra element of it me being so impressed by it by the fact that it's clearly done in one or two runs i think there was one moment in the middle where i thought they can cut there mm. other than that Maybe maybe they're really well hidden, but I was like, they are not cutting. They've gone for 40 minutes and this is being mm. done like a play and everything has to be reset yeah. in order to do it again. Um, I, I, think, I think one thing I thought, I, I, think, I think at the end, if I was to criticize, the way in which it ended, I thought went a step too far. 10 seconds too long. Ten, ten seconds. Yeah, it, it should have ended ten seconds earlier. Yes, I don't think what ne what happened needed to happen no. for this film to make its point. Exactly, I agree. I it's, totally agree. I, I, at the end, I was a bit like, "Oh, okay." I, I understood yeah. everything that that character had gone through and what was going to happen, 
um, until the, the very last moment. And then I was like, yeah, it, I, it didn't ruin it, but I was like, no, I, I was for, already with you. For a film that's as well crafted as that, for it to yes. use that as its end point, it was surprisingly unimaginative. It was, um, I, I read somewhere that it was, uh, it was already a short film that they yes. had. Yes, the, the director's the same director, yes. yeah. Uh, which which makes sense. It, it clearly like had a, a short form concept that got, mm. and, and you know it follows you know d- depression, alcohol, and drug ad- drug abuse, yeah. which like is pa- like famously one of the most uh, like chefs in kitchens mm. are like one of the industries that suffer the most from that thing because of the high pressure nature of the job. Like and that's what yeah, and that's what it renders very really the, yes. the, the the that high pressure nature. And chefs are crazy. Let, <laughs> let me just put it out there. I've worked with some chefs, man. Holy. I've got a friend who's about to be a chef for the first time and, and he also loves film and he saw that film and he was like, yeah. <laughs> what have I done? It's really accurate. The way in which like the chefs are talking about meals and being in the shit and like having things to do. And yeah. uh, like the, 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 there's this moment when they're these three like, oh no, this is different, but there's someone, someone sends back a lamb dish Ugh. and this is a dish that the chefs have cooked 50 times yeah. plus. To they perfection. cook it every single day. They know exactly how long it takes. And they know that lamb is cooked pink. You serve it pink and it's fine. And someone sends it back going, the lamb is raw. And they're like, this is exact conversation I've had with chefs where someone says, oh, they've asked for it to be cooked more. But like, do they know that's how lamb's meant to be served? And they'll look at it, pick it up, open it and go, that's how lamb's meant to be served. Do you know how that that sounds? Have you communicated? communicated? You're you're not communicating to the customers how they're meant to eat. And it's like this dichotomy of like, give the customer what they want. Uh, There's these three like Essex type Jack the lads who come in and they look at the menu, which is sort of like small and refined. They go, oh, it's all this like, you know, foam nonsense. Can we not just get three steak and chips? I know. Uh, And the head waiter is like, obviously trying to appease these people who are sort of micro influencers. She's like, yeah, yeah, of course we can make you a steak and chips. Goes to the kitchen and it's like, I need you to make me three steak and chips. I'm like, what are you talking about? We don't have steak on the menu. Like we're not prepped to do steak and chips. What do you mean? You're chef, can you not do steak and chips? Like all of this kind of stuff is just floating around. But yeah, I, I, I got, you know what's funny? Sorry, I'm really going on. No, line. it's fine. I, you know the I, way I you... hope you ask me what I think at some point. <laughs> yeah. um, Please jump in. No, no, you, no, know, no. you know how we say it's all done in one shot? How we talk about, especially talking about Power of the Dog, which overall I found quite slow and yeah. a little bit dull. And I watched Boarding Point before I watched Power of the Dog. But it's funny how we talk about editing as a tool to keep people engaged yeah. and to like change perspective yeah. and to frame between different points. And the Boiling Point, which yeah. I don't want to say it doesn't use editing, but it's not, cutting yes. it doesn't cut yes. at all that that was far more engaging yes. and immersive than anything that most of the other yeah. films i've watched at least recently have done and nothing has made me as focused yeah. on a film than boiling point do you know what that makes me think about that because i uh there are almost when you when people talk about a one take film yes it's either in two directions it's either the birdman and 1917 way of it being one take but i actually get really annoyed when people are like ah oh, 1917 all shot in one take it's amazing it's like it's not it's cut and edited yes. to look like one I take. saw the cuts in and, and also, most egregiously, 1917, there is a cut in mm. the middle, which, for me, d- d- just disrupted the whole point of the film. I was like... Because one of the point problems I found with 1917, with the one take, and this happens in a lot of one take films, is that that becomes the focus of the film. I found the, the one take element of 1917 incredibly intrusive mm. and incredibly like, hey, look, we're doing a one take film. We look, it's the same show. They've been walking for three minutes yeah. now. Look at this. And that's why it annoyed me even more when they did then deliberately have a cut in 1917. Yeah, they, uh, did, they did like point up to the sky yeah. and come back down. And the same thing with, uh, no, it's when he gets knocked out. Oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, right, I'm yeah. sorry, 1917, yeah. yeah. Came back a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, so get over it. Um, uh, 
Birdman equally does that thing of like looking up to the sky, then the sky turns to nighttime, and yeah. because that's like, oh, it's or they walk through a dark side passage of the theater, and you can tell they've sort of yeah. Cut uh, and uh, again, I watch that and I think like, I know I'm being tricked. This isn't this isn't funny. And this okay. is old as you know, Hitchcock made Rope, and that is meant to be a one take film, but it's clearly cut. Uh, that's filmed like a stage play, basically. But that is they, he makes deliberate cuts, and that and you can kind of tell. Or you can go the way that Boiling Point does, which is like Victoria. So Victoria was this German film that came out a couple of years ago, which I loved, all shot in one take. And that's about two and a half hours. And uh, the first half an hour is just like a woman at a club. And it feels like um, a very sort of Euro romance thing. And then it becomes a thriller all of a sudden. And they did three attempts at that. And like they would film for two hours. Then some like member of the public would go, excuse me, what's going on? And then oh have to cut God. the whole thing. And... Um, they did it the third time and they managed to get it. And I remember watching Victoria and getting to the, like, the end and thinking that film by holding the frame open for me. And I know I've not seen any cuts there. I know they've done that for real has like maybe see almost like another dimension into it. It's completely opened up your psychologically viewing something that isn't cut. It just makes you see it a different it's way. Like we know when there's a cut, well, was there a break? It's Whereas like, we know like everyone is yeah. like on edge going yeah. for it and you have to, everyone's cooking and the yes. food has to come out and you know that no one can just, there's no like 30 minutes that goes by where I guess the food went out. Yes. You're like the food still hasn't, Literally no one's made the cooking. food. Yes. And, um, and uh, so it's hard to explain what that one take does, but it's a bit like when I watched Boyhood the, and, and, and I had a kind of a profound experience with that. It was like, there's something about watching someone grow up in front of my eyes. And it was the same thing with the one take. There's something very profound about just seeing this thing play out in real time when I know it's real, real time. Yeah. So anyway, boarding point to get back to it. Yeah, I thought that was incredibly effective and real, but not intrusive. I no. knew that film was shot in one take, but I wasn't sitting there thinking, I didn't know. This, this film was shot in one take. This was shot in one take. I just, it, I, it hit me where it needed to make me feel stressed. And, and I was like eight minutes out. in, and then I was like, oh, they're doing this opening yeah. scene. I was like, hang on, no, they're yeah. not going to cut. Yeah. Um, I found Boiling Point excruciating, mm. but exceptional. Yeah. I, it's the first time I've ever watched a film that has been so good that I've wanted to turn it off. It was, uh, okay. I, I find it that uncomfortable. I got yeah. about an hour in and I thought... What made you... No, not that we, I know we've said, but what specifically made you feel so uncomfortable? I think it was just the... I, I, I recognise that situation. I mean, you, mm. you and I have both worked in, um, you know, customer-facing jobs like that, but um, although we don't do that anymore or, or in our current day jobs, I recognise that dynamic. And even in our current day jobs, that dynamic still exists. In every course, sort of workplace, yeah. it's just magnified in this dynamic um i i, I so and, and and i was very much aware of the almost like a, a drum beat slowly picking up of the small things yes. that escalated so when you're like you said when andy arrives it's the your environment your um <laughs> your uh, hygiene rating has gone down okay yeah, because of this away. oh we haven't got any turbo oh yeah. um because you didn't order the lamb oh sorry about that oh this person's off sick so you're not cutting the salad boom oh uh, actually he's cut his finger today so he said this oh this person's he's late not turned up and yet. yeah all these beats are picking up and then that's before they've even opened it's, it's and, before and then you get these up. wonderful like Chekhov gun Chekhov's gun things where it's just like that customer has an allergy that customer wants yes. to do a proposal that table over there wants to do this and you're and, and and as soon as you hear these things and you're already aware of the tension they're under it's it's so well um executed so yeah. exceptional excruciating really well executed um and and so yes i got halfway through an hour in and i thought 
I I can't watch this. Can't this see how it plays out. Bearable because I, you want to jump in and help. Don't yes, you want to yes. like you want to grab a yeah, pan and yeah. start making? You want to go to get the wine and start serving it. You feel like I mean, its greatest thing is almost the reason I wanted to turn off, which is like I feel like I'm at work. I feel yeah. like I'm at the most stressful shift at work I ever yes. wanted to. And it's not you know it's not a relaxing film in the same way I think somebody would find uncut gems like you know it's oh like, yeah it's got that's like, that's really difficult it's got yeah. like the anxiety and stress level of uncut gems but a little it's less ridiculous than like, uncut gems is kind of like larger than life so it's much so wacky yeah this is just real it, i think it's too real I, I, I that's what i thought this is too real i know this situation i know these people that guy on that table yeah. I, i've seen that and i've seen these things and the, the, all, all oh. the actors really were just they felt so normal and and real i felt like i really was watching real people yeah. complain and moan and go about their jobs and that's why it felt that's why it felt so ner but, ner nervy contrasted to the sort of the violence of what is happening the the aggression the the the, the, the fast pace you have this sort of very graceful camera ballet yes. and you will it's not just about andy it will really it will tick off every single member of staff yeah even for a couple of minutes you get a sense of who they are and what and they're i doing. think this sort of the passive aggressive dynamic he has with his former colleague who's jason fleming who's this celebrity kind chef. of like this on the verge of being a gordon ramsay type. yeah not, not but he sort of he does lots of tv and he's like yes. selling all these books and of course he's making loads of money but he has a stake in the restaurant and, and the power dynamic between them is is very uncomfortable because it's clear that uh, Andy, Stephen Graham's character, you know, broke away, but had a lot of ideas. And this guy's sort of saying, great restaurant. You know, I recognize that dish. We did that thing. Is like, I, oh, brought, that was my I brought idea. my friend who's also like this real asshole food critic. Yes. Who's, and it's like not a cool yeah. thing to do to just bring a critic. And then, and then he'll go back to the kitchen and someone will say, did you talk to that person about my pay rise? Did you yeah, and, it's and just it, so much. It's a complete... Uh, Tinderbox and uh, a, a, a thrilling watch. Only in ninety minutes. I I really recommend it. It so sounds good. like we both had a, a similar. But did you not find it excruciating? Yeah, yeah. Like really, just like yeah, the whole time. Have you ever had the? You know, when you have a really big day of work the next day, and you go to sleep, and you end up having a dream about the day of work you're gonna oh, have, yeah. and then you woke, you wake up, and you're like, oh my god, I feel like I've done it and now i have to actually do it yeah. it, it felt like that like being taken back to that kind of anxiety oh. um yeah i just i really urge to seek it out and 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 try and catch it because it's really really like for all for all the reasons that power of the dog not to just use it as this like you know ca post. counter thing <laughs> but but like it is it is a film that is coming out in a similar time and is getting a lot of oscar nominated buzz and there's nothing like technically really wrong with power of the dog i just actually find the way in which boiling point chooses to execute yeah. its story so much more interesting than what i think power of the dog does even though power of the dog had like the best yeah. actors on the best form amazing cinematography i, I i'm much more drawn i'm going to remember boiling point tomorrow uh, yeah it's that classic thing of we're in award season, but often the most shouted about films are not the most interesting. And there are loads of things going under the radar. Boiling point, check it out. Should we do some newsy bits? Yeah, hit me. John Watts, who recently directed All the, the last three Spider-Man films with Tom Holland, hmm. um, most recently No Way Home, is in talks to handle at least one episode of a new Star Wars trilogy. <sighs> It's happening. I mean, we talked about this literally the other day, but they're going to do more. What would you want out of it? Uh, according to Discussing Film, the series has the code Grammar Rodeo and appears to have at least John Favreau involved, which is no surprise given his importance to the various other Star Wars series. Done that, Lauren. I like John Favreau. Yeah, he's cool. Um, and little doesn't merge about the show. Oh, no, is it a show? Maybe it could be a show. No, I thought it was a film. I thought it was a film. Uh, whispers that could skew younger, sort of a Stranger Things set in a galaxy Stranger far, things, far yeah. away. Stranger Things set in a galaxy uh, far, far away and potentially yeah. connected to the High Republic era. Um, what's, what's that? What's, a, the, what's that? What's the oh, I'd have to Google that. I know what the Old Republic is, but... Uh, 
What's his busy time ahead of him is he's attached to make a new untitled film to Apple, for Apple TV Plus, star, starring George Clooney and Brad Pitt, uh, producing Final Destination 6 for HBO, and sticking what? on the Disney wait, front. Wait, what? Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. wait for HBO that's a sentence Max. I've never heard. For HBO Max. What yeah. kind of I high prestige that content <laughs> is that going to be? We're going to completely do it again. Final Sam Levinson's <laughs> doing it. Bom, bom, bom. That's the <laughs> HBO version of... Uh, oh. um, carry on, sorry. Yeah, sorry, Final Destination was really distracting uh and he's gonna direct the new fantastic four which is with marvel because that's gonna be yes back. that's john watts still we're talking anyway about. yes this is john watts likely um, fantastic four they're thinking he's directing a pilot for the old man starring jeff bridges which will likely hit fx and say he's doing a lot of Good stuff casting. so i reckon there's a chance it could not happen but you're getting more there's more coming i can't tell if that was a show or a series based on i don't want it until it's in right to. in front of me, in which case I might look at it. Yeah. I don't think John Watts is an amazing director. I don't think I, I actually I've never really connected with the past three what Spider-Man he films. Done? He actually made like two low budget indie films before doing the Marvel stuff. So he oh, did really well. Very well, yeah. Um that's kind of what you'd want. You would do that and then you go, Do you want to do Star Wars? You're not gonna say no. No, you? no, I know, but I just I'm just a bit creatively bored of of, of Star Wars right now. And mm. um I, I say until I watch the next thing and love it, lol. Yeah. Um but uh, the um, like the Stranger Things thing. Oh, you're gonna take. You're gonna basically do every single type of content that's possible, but in a Star Wars mode. Yes. So it's like we'll get the Euphoria Star Wars. Do the Western for Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. Every genre we're gonna do the uh, you know West Side Tatooine. Do the, the musical yeah. version. Every single <laughs> genre you can imagine will just be taint, be made, but with Star a Star um, Wars musical. I'm kind of down for that. No, I don't know why. no. They'll just then they'll go and do it. Don't say stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. You're the problem. Give me something original. John Favreau's ears just like like a dog with a high pitched <laughs> noise. Just. Um, no, I, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't really care too much for that news i um but the fantastic four thing is it me i feel like the internet has just settled on john krasinski being uh reed richards have you seen that i yeah. think i have yeah there, it's just been this thing for so long that like everyone expected it john, <laughs> john krasinski and, and maybe also emily blunt as like mr and mrs that. yeah okay um i saw something the other day it was like john krasinski um i don't know who the maybe it was emily blunt and seth rogan is the thing Oh, okay, sure. Maybe. Maybe John C. Riley would be a good thing. John C. Riley would be a good thing. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> it's rocks everywhere! Um, yeah, sorry. That, I mean, I've given you my grumpy grandpa response. That's fine. I love your grumpy grandpa response. If you had a grumpy grandpa response for that, um, Game of Thrones author George R. R. Martin oh, uh, is loving, quote, early cuts of the House of the Dragon. Later this year, we will be venturing back to Westeros in Game of Thrones' prequel spin-off series, House of the Dragon, which sounds like a Bruce Lee movie. Uh, now, uh, Martin is praising the show that is connected to his works. It is based on the Targaryen family history book, Fire and Blood, which he's credited as a co-writer of the series. Uh, he says, quote, I've seen rough cuts of a few of them, and I'm loving them, he wrote in his blog. Uh, in post confirming the 10 episode season has rap shooting of course a lot more work needs to be done special effects color timing no idea what that is score and all the post-production work but the writing the directing the acting all look terrific i hope you will like them as much as i do my hat is off to ryan and miguel the showrunners and their team and all the amazing cast well here's the thing uh oh a writer whose work is being adapted for television comes out and says something positive about the show <laughs> that's going to make him loads of more money yeah i'm shocked I, that means nothing that's just that's just pure puff that's pure pure marketing pure pr like it's it's comforting that he's sort of given it his seal of approval because he has said about the last series of game of thrones he hasn't said it was shit he said it's different to what i had planned which is his version How of saying economical yeah yeah he's been very economical with his statement there but 
yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the stills that we've seen, and it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of blonde, platinum blonde Targaryens yes. glaring into stuff. And yet, they're obvi- they were obviously going to make more. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, happening. I'm kind of like you're talking about two franchises there, Star Wars and Game of Thrones, where I'm mm. just completely like um, depleted, no, depleted of any uh, of any sort of. You know, yes, you can come back, but come back and do something good. And I'm not convinced you will be, but um, I will. I will only see it probably three months after everyone else has, and and if they really rave when about they're all it. Out. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like you never you never queue up to buy the new iPhone. You let the, the normal people go see in. See a review, yeah, yeah, and. Well, iron out you don't all want the kicks. To be an early adopter. No no, 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 no. You want to come in for like version two. Yes. You don't want to be that guy that says, you've got to watch the first season, which is kind of okay. And then you can watch. No, you no. want to be like. that For me, that era of saying, oh, um, you've got to watch the first season, that's over. No, I agree. There's too much content now. Yeah. I used to be someone who used to say, if I watch a show, I'll, I'll finish the season and see how I think. And now I'm, I'm a three episode person. Three episodes. I'll watch three episodes. And if, cool. I, and if I don't like it, I won't continue. And then there's some, some yeah. series I've watched one episode and gone, oh, this isn't for me. Well, they've only got like 10 episodes now. Do you remember the days of like, you'd watch one episode a week for 25 weeks and you'd like, you would essentially watch a show for six months. Oh, yeah. I just remember that era. Like, I remember growing up watching The O.C., with my mm. sister, and we would just watch that every Tuesday night, eight o'clock. Well, do you know how out of touch I was in lockdown? I said, I thought, you know what? Because this was this show was just all all of it was mm. there on Amazon Prime, and this show is a massive cultural thing. And I just thought, I've never watched any of this. Maybe this is the time that I finally sit down and watch what? the X Files. Oh right? wow, yeah. Okay. And I watched the first episode, and I really enjoyed the nineties nostalgia. Each yeah. episode, probably like fifty minutes, five zero. Oh, okay, and I'm thinking there's. 10 seasons, 10 episodes per season. No, there's 24 hour long episodes oh. per season. And I was like counting up all How the hours. Of, well, I've, this? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, so that's like, I was like, I'm never going to finish this. <laughs> I'm never going to do this. I don't, I don't have the time or the inclination. <laughs> just, to do- just you like mats all <laughs> yeah. over the walls. Like abacus. You're abacus. Crunching the numbers. Like, yeah. <laughs> staying power up late. To the power of 10. With the, the green visor. I've, got, I've looked at it and I, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I, Some I, people just, would say it's, it, it would be comforting to know that you've got, if you love it, you've got so much of it to watch but we i don't think you could sustain the quality i, I think i think with a show that's 30 years old there are some things that like hamper it like the, the pacing and the you know unless it's good unless it's the best show ever like otherwise it's you're watching it thinking i have to put up with a lot of things that are very outdated yeah at, like the length of the the season like if the x-files was made now that would be an eight eight episode season yes but maybe double the budget perhaps sure. uh talia did all of Grey's anatomy which you know is on its... It's still going. It's still going. It's on its, I want to say, 16, 17 seasons. And that got... It's got to the point where there's like a Grey's Anatomy effect where it stop, starts and not making sense because there's no way this much could happen to these people. Yes. You know, like the, yes. a bomb in the hospital, yep. the, the number of deaths, car crashes, yep. Yep. pregnancies. It's just like not, not this much happens to someone's yep. life, even the most extreme, amazing people. And yeah. Yeah, there's that effect. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've only seen snippets of Grey's Anatomy because my girlfriend's watching First a lot of it. season's good. But hearing these snippets of Grey's Anatomy, I would get so um, uh, annoyed because every episode would be the same. What do we do with the ones we love? <laughs> and I started to realize it wasn't about holding on. Are you doing sex It was about letting go. No, no, that would be like this. And I realized, big one, I, I don't know. It, it's yeah. just, it's, it's not the same but timing. But, it's but, a similar kind of but, 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 but Meredith... Meredith? Meredith, yeah. Meredith, Meredith is more whispery and it's always like it's like yeah. they're wheeling somebody away on a gurney it's like I realised all along that I loved you know yeah yeah Patrick Dempsey <laughs> um, Ellen Pompeo though laughing all the way to oh, bank with that yeah and they've done spin-offs Venture of Grey's Anatomy just loving it 
This is going to be the like, king of things George doesn't care about. Are you ready? Oh. Um, yeah. You ready? Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, and the crew are to return for a new Star Trek film. The crew. Oh, the oh, the yes, and the so, crew. Yeah. So when you say Chris Pine, I thought you said Chris Pratt, and no. then you said Zachary Quinto. Zachary I knew who that was. And when you yeah. said the crew, I thought it was like a rapper. <laughs> yeah. Like, and the crew. Hey, um, yo, I'm in the Star Trek movie. Uh. Okay, here's the thing about the Star Trek films. Uh, I, I I do sometimes. Oh, sorry. Go oh, on. sorry. I'll just I'll just finish the the spiel. J.J. Uh, Abrams was part of Paramount's big Investor Day announcement and confirmed that a fourth film starring Pines, Kirk, Quinto, Spock, and the rest of the colleagues Zoe Saldana, Simon Pegg, Carl Urban, and John Cho is fully in the works. Uh, quote: We are thrilled to say that we are hard at work on the new Star Trek film that will be shooting at the end of the year that will be featuring all original cast and some new characters that I think are going to be really fun and exciting and help take Star Trek into areas that you've just never seen before. We're thrilled about this film. We have a bunch of other stories that we're talking about and we think will be really exciting. Can't wait for you to see what we're cooking up. But until then, live long and prosper. Right. Um, here's the thing about Star Trek films. I had mm. every so often thought, like, what's happening with that franchise? Very Because they never finished it. It's just sort of there. Last film came out in 2016, Star Trek Beyond. Beyond. That was a real non-event of a well, film. Well, yeah, so the first one, 2009, came Enjoyed out. It. Good film. Yeah, That's solid. really enjoyable. I've seen that again. That's, that's fun. It has a pre-Thor Chris Hemsworth in it. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to jing jingle the mini eggs anymore <laughs> while we try and record the audio as if people are going to pick that up? <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, James is having himself to mini eggs two months before Easter because he's a child. Anyway. Which is the one you can't function without a snack on the table. <laughs> hey, this is in my rider. This is in my contract. That's why I'm here. Uh, so the first one's very good. Star Trek Into Darkness, uh, fine, enjoyable. You know, quite, I think people, quite a lot of Gun fun. Batch was the villain. Yeah, people enjoyed I that. There was all the thing. Hard. Yeah, there was the whole... Loving the anamorphic Dutch angles. Lens white. flare. Yeah. I think people weren't really happy with the Alice Eve character yeah. and also the super blood thing. At the end, oh god, yeah, and they, about and they that. just re, like undo a massive plot point. But still, I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, I still yeah. enjoyed it. And then Star Trek Beyond is 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 really weird. It's basically, uh, yeah, as you say, a complete non-event. It feels just like an episode yeah. of of the original TV show. It feels incredibly disposable. Um, Alice exactly. it feels not, like episode five of a twenty-four yeah. part Star Trek. It thing, feels yeah. very underwhelming. And I remember seeing that the cinema having a perfectly fine time, but it came coming out of it and thinking nothing more of it. You know, like yeah. and that, and like again, they introduce really so that character. They introduce Alice Eve's character. She's not in the you know in, in that one. And yeah. just anyway, and then and then that was, and it was kind of that was it. And it went out on this bum. No, J.J. Abrams did the first two. Then uh, Justin Lin, yes, Fast and Furious, Fast did the and third Furious one. Name, yeah. Um, Anton Yelchin sadly died. Yeah. He won't be in, so he, he won't be, be in anymore. Um, so I don't know how I feel. I mean, okay, they're going to have to really account for the amount of time that's passed. Make me catch. Do you know what the rumor is? The rumor is they want to do uh, some sort of time wormhole thing where Kirk meets his father, Chris Hemsworth. And because they've already messed around with, like, yes. Thing. You yeah. know, in the first film, they came yes. back to the exact moment that yeah. that was the thing. But, and they would do that. That's, yeah, but that, that's a movie. But you, know you, but you know what I find a little bit depressing is that I remember them saying that yeah. when the last film was released, and oh, right. that's what they've just sat on that idea for six years. It maybe, maybe just they all got too famous and too busy. You know what happens with these things, and it's the same thing that happened with Spider-Man every time they reboot it. Is that these the ownership of these intellectual properties, the rights to distribute them, runs out if you don't release a film every. Oh, yeah. It could be an arbitrary amount of time. It could be like nine years. Yeah. So in order to withhold the rights yeah. to that film, they have to make something. Yes. That's why. Uh, Andrew Garfield's amazing Spider-Man films were made because Sony didn't want yeah. to give up Spider-Man to yeah. Marvel. 
So they could be silly, like Paramount owns Star Trek and someone's gone, someone's gone to them and go, oh, by the way, you know, in three years we lose yeah. Star Trek if we don't release something. And they've gone, okay, let's just get everyone, everyone Do you not remember though, like, aren't they making that Quentin Tarantino Star Trek film? No, but it, Quentin Tarantino was like, I have a script for a Star Trek film that I want to do. Oh. It's going to be R-rated. I don't know if he said it was going to be R-rated, but he implied it wouldn't be. But that went into this, development like, though. I thought that was going to happen. I mean, who, who, I mean, that would be like, that would be Tarantino's 10th and last film. That would be amazing. Yeah, I'd love like, to see who, a complete change into a space film. I know, like, out of this world, really cool. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you so much for watching and listening to this episode of Pop Kitchen. Don't forget, we post a new episode of this show every single Wednesday. And we've got plenty more content coming on the channel throughout the week, so keep an eye out for that. Whether yep. you're listening or watching, there'll be more reviews that we don't include in here, so it'll be on all the feeds on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. Follow us there. If you're watching, please drop us a like and subscribe. It makes a really big difference. And if you're listening, leave us a review. See, See you next, next week. week. Oh! <laughs>